Hey there, welcome to Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Crete. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm here with my co-host. I am Dr. Peter Malinowski in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, Dr. Jerry. It's good to be with you. Yes. So, hallelujah. Um, Jesus is risen. Indeed, he is risen. <laughs> and He's got to cue me on that because I always forget. <laughs> He's trying to teach me how to be an Eastern Rite Catholic, a Byzantine Catholic, and I just am not getting it. Indeed, he is risen, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I didn't. That was spontaneous. If I had thought about it in advance, I would have let you know. But I'm sorry, but we are here. I'm going to track on this. I'll get it by the end of the Easter season. Yeah. Well, this is this is yeah, exactly. I got 50 days. And then we'll work on the other responses for the rest of the year. But uh, we're, this is the Sunday of Divine Mercy. It's the second Sunday of, East, of Easter. And this is a powerful one. And in fact, you know, Divine Mercy is a bit of a bridge between East and West, I would think. Um, you know, and uh, so we're so excited to have, uh, to be focused a little bit on the topic of mercy. And today, um, the theme is that, that, that I developed um, was forgiving because it's good for you. Um, and so we're going to explore this whole theme of forgiveness because in light of God's, you know, infinite mercy and great love for us and how he has forgiven us and offers, extends mercy, um, it's imperative that we develop hearts that are, uh, you know, practicing forgiveness, practicing mercy ourselves. So that's kind of where I was going to go today. Um, I was reflecting a little bit, some of, uh, previous things that, that I've talked about on the show related to my own father who passed away and, and to my issues there with him. And it was occurring to me that I've had a journey of forgiveness. I can remember being a young Christian and in my, you know, very, if I was even 20, I don't know. And I had made the decision, like I decided to forgive him because that was the right thing to do. That was the Christian thing to do. You're told, but, you're told you got to forgive, right? So forgive yeah. us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, right? So you're going to do that. You're going to forgive your dad at 20 years old. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, uh, but I ended up discovering that emotional forgiveness, which is something we're going to talk about today, the, dis the, the distinction between um, decisional forgiveness and emotional forgiveness. Emotional forgiveness took a lot longer, decades, in fact. And in fact, I don't know that I really got there until after he died. And that's a little bit the, 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 the aspect, one important distinction I want to make right out, right out of the gate is that forgiveness doesn't necessarily let the other person off the hook for crimes or misbehavior on their part. That can ultimately be between them and God. But forgiveness does allow um, growth for the person who forgives, right? The motivation there can only be, uh, only be self, but, but it is actually something that allows you to be freed from whatever the, 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 the sin bind is that is created through whatever, um, whatever has happened. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the interesting data, some of the interesting um, research that's been done in the, in the regular psychological world. So are we ready to hear some of that? <laughs> yeah, let's definitely get into that. 
Well, one thing that I think is really interesting is that um, we know, you may have heard of John Gottman. Uh, John Gottman and his wife, Julie Gottman. Uh, they are probably, they're considered one of the um, top-notch marital experts, right? Um, they have, uh, John Gottman himself was actually a statistician, a mathematician. He and, and his wife, Julie, I believe is a psychologist. And they did all this research on couples and how couples interacted, right? And they're well known for having this place they call the Love Lab, where they literally, um, you know, <laughs> videotaped all these couples, hours and hours, thousands and thousands of couples to actually look at data to see how um, couples that had successful marriages um, did it and what caused couples to actually break apart. You know, he's actually been well known to be able to predict divorce, you know, mm -hmm. unless certain interventions mm -hmm. came about. And one of the elements that predicted divorce uh, was criticism and contempt. And that once, once criticism and contempt kind of is fostered and present in a relationship, it's kind of a, it's kind of, uh, a sign of the end for a relationship, if that isn't at all resolved. Um, it's one of the worst things that can, can grow in a relationship. And Gottman really talks about the difference between changeable things and unchangeable things. And so there are some things that aren't really going to change about another person, right? And recognizing those con conflicts aren't going to change. And so if they aren't, then what, what happens when something's an unchangeable problem and you forgive? Well, that actually opens up the possibility of moving on and moving forward. But when something is, is, when something is not forgiven and it's an unchangeable problem, it just becomes something that festers, contempt festers. And you just can't get over that thing. And you're always wanting the other person to change when perhaps they can't. All right. And we're not talking here about abuse. We're not talking here about behaviors that are clearly like out of line, right? We're talking about aspects of another person that one can't change. Um, I'm having to think of some examples because there's, there's, there's probably tons of examples of unchangeable things in a relationship, but it could be aspects of a person's personality and aspects of a person's temperament, uh, perhaps some deep seated habits that that person has um, that aren't, you know, that we're not in control of really. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so because they're, they've been around for a long time or maybe they have some like really important meaning that the other person won't look into, or maybe it's just really threatening to look into. So, you know, you're reacting to what's going on on the surface of your spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Right. Right. And another interesting study was the Stanford forgiveness project. <laughs> Again, another secular project that, that actually came to the um, kind of discovery through the research was that people need to be taught to forgive. Right. And this kind of, to me, goes along with the idea of that virtues do need to be cultivated. Right. So if we, the, our, our virtues, whatever they might be, and, and even that, even forgiveness needs to be cultivated. It's not something that um, we're necessarily always good at immediately. Um, even being able to reduce anger and resentment and to, and to build compassion, mercy, and forgiveness takes work and uh, practice. And so uh, what the Stanford Forgiveness Project discovered was the people that were taught to forgive and practiced it 
actually had improvement in both their physical and emotional well-being. So this kind of proves the point, even from a secular perspective, that it is good for us to forgive, you know, um, as well. That has other elements. I actually want to bring up a story I, that I just thought was so powerful. Um, and I, I'm going to, we can put it in the um, uh, skim or in the link or whatever, if, if anybody's interested to see this article, because it's in the, I believe it's the New York Times. And dating back quite a while, I think in the 90s or something. But it's this powerful story that I heard when I was listening to this expert on forgiveness. His name was Everett Worthington. And I listened to him do a talk. And I was really moved by this story. And it was this uh, story of this man. It was David. Um, it was the first um, name of this man. And he was let go uh, from his company or something that happened. And he literally kidnapped the 10-year-old son of his employer and then um, abused him physically and literally shot him in the head and left him to die. And so this, but the kid was, the 10 year old was actually found and recovered. He lost sight in that eye, but recovered. And this man um, was never prosecuted for this crime because they could never prove that it was him. But the man himself, uh, David, who committed the crime, the, the victim's name was Chris. Chris Carrier was his name. And what happened, this story, and you can, I can't get into all the details during this short uh, po uh, podcast show, but if you go and look at the article, you can get some more information. Uh, but over the years, Chris decided to forgive David. And at one point, David was hospitalized. He was in his 70s and he was hospitalized. And he had absolutely no family and absolutely no friends, nothing. And Chris actually was the only person to go visit him in the hospital for several years before this man died. And in the course of these visits, Chris told him that he was the victim. And this man broke down, apparently crying, and, you know, and, and, and it had some measure of re repentance, right, in this story. And, in fact, Chris ended up, as far as we know, being the only person that visited him into his death. Now, that just moved me, this story. I mean, it's, it's probably the most radical story of forgiveness that I've ever heard. Um, there, probably, I'm sure there are others. And there's examples, obviously, in the lives of the saints of some pretty radical forgiveness right, stories, right. like St. Um, Maria Goretti and, and others also that are probably worth talking about. But um, that to me is just powerful. And what did, would it take to get to that level of forgiveness, to be able to love and forgive someone that has radically harmed you right, in your life? Right. Um, so, any thoughts on that, Dr. Peter? Anything that hits you as you hear that story? Well, well, you know, I'm sort of thinking about it in terms of, you know, the difference between forgiveness and mercy, right? Like, mm. we're, we're talking a lot about um, forgiveness, but, you know, forgiveness sort of backed by mercy. Because once you start bringing mercy in, it's taking forgiveness out of that natural plane that the Stanford researchers are looking at or the Gottmans mm. were looking at. It's actually infusing mm. that forgiveness with grace. 
right? Wow. So it's not just in the natural realm, it's now in the supernatural realm. So my, my, you know, my belief is that anything that these researchers are finding and discovering just about the benefits of forgiveness in the natural realm is going to be, um, you know, is going to be exponentially more powerful because of, because of the action of grace in the supernatural realm. So, so, um, and, you know, that, that may be difficult to capture, um, you know, uh, with the measures that they're using. So, you know, so if we start to look at like the mercy of, uh, the mercy of our Lord, right. Um, if we look at, you know, the scriptures, what we're seeing, um, what we're seeing in the acts of the apostles, we're, we're seeing the whole, the whole Christian community being infused by mercy. And our Lord is, is giving us that example when he, you know, appears to yeah. the, um, to the apostles in the locked room, you know, and well, that's, well, that's, that to me was, you know, kind of was powerful, but you know, I thank you so much for saying, I, I love the way you just put that about mercy in, which is a supernatural grace infusing right. forgiveness right. in the national realm, because literally that's what happens in the gospel of John. Like right. Jesus literally breathes on them. Right. Right. Breathes on them. And, and then says, you know, um, and then gives them that commission to forgive others. Right. So, that that is powerful that jesus actually commit you know commits the apostles to go and forgive others and like in his name right to forgive others not just for the sins that others will perpetrate against the apostles but to be but to have the power of binding and loosing right these sins and they're acting in persona Christi, you know in the person of christ right they're acting as god's agents to be able to forgive sins that is an amazing, um, that is an amazing gift. You know, it's, 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 it's extremely merciful to be able to, for God to delegate the authority to dispense mercy and to, and to forgive sins to his apostles. And it's he like, wow. gives that in a very specific way to the apostles who then, you know, th- then who are the, um, you know, ancestors of the um, bishops and therefore priests who then formally do that, but in so many ways, informally, like in the story of Chris that I gave, right. he was exercising that, you know, forgiveness. It, I don't know to what extent it was supernaturally inspired. It feels like it was, but even other cases like St. John Paul II forgiving his shooter mm-hmm. or the family of St. Maria Gretti, Gretti forgiving. Right. like all those stories are about people who uh, are kind of in the person of Christ when they do these fairly radical acts of forgiveness for others, I would say. Not, not in the way a priest is, but it, we are all c- commanded in a sense, to, or, 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 or I don't know about commanded, but called to, to forgive radically. Well, I think, you know, you know, we're commanded. I don't think that's a a radical (laughs) statement. I mean, why did I hesitate on that word? I think it's because it feels like forgiveness can't be. I don't want to imply that you must like, like that you, that it isn't a process that if you can't get there today for some reason that there's something bad about you. Because I know right. sometimes it takes a long time to truly forgive. Right. So, yeah, but I don't think the idea that it's um, aspirational means it's not a command. I mean, our Lord tells us to be perfect as he is perfect and that's aspirational and it's also a command. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think your point is well taken though. I think the difference going back to that difference between, you know, the emotional forgiveness and the decisional mm-hmm. forgiveness, right. Right. 
Um, because oftentimes that decisional forgiveness can be sort of a gloss, right? It can be sort of like, uh, I don't really want to deal with this situation, so I'm just going to forgive the other person. Yeah. Uh, but I don't actually want to get into how it actually impacted me. Mm-hmm. And I see that quite a bit. Like, I just forgive you for whatever it was that happened. I don't even, you know, I want to get into it, you know. Um, but there's always sort of uh, some limitations to that. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, you don't have to go over every particular detail of, 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 a, of a situation either. Sometimes people like, you know, want, will withhold forgiveness because they believe that it's somehow going to minimize or, um, or deny the, the harm that happened. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've run across that clinically, right? Yeah. You know, if I forgive this person, then it's going to let them off the hook, like you were saying before. Um, and that's actually not how it works. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, Everett Worthington, the speaker that I mentioned before, uh, introduced me to the idea of this injustice gap. And this idea that, you know, I believe that um, my expectations were not met and this person did something that it was against what, what uh, they owed me because my expectations were in such and such a way. And so that they didn't do it, this injustice gap grows. And as it grows, I become more resentful and more angry at that person, mm-hmm. right? And more unforgiving. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, a lot of the research shows when you're in an unforgiving state, your stress levels are actually higher. Right. 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 And so it's actually harming you. The other person may or may not even be aware (laughs) of this injustice gap that you've created and that is growing and growing. Right. And so, and then if you actually do something about it, like if you enact some kind of revenge because you're angry and resentful at some person, and especially if they're not even fully aware of what's going on for you, then it creates an injustice gap in the other person because now they're looking at you and go, well, why did that person do this to me? And now they become more and more angry and resentful. So it kind of has a, a snowball effect. Right. Right. You know, and, and, and which is the opposite. All of that is the opposite of divine mercy is the opposite of forgiveness. All that harboring of resentment. And that's what our Lord means when he says, you know, be not angry, right? It's not about the spontaneous emotion of anger. It's that harboring of those resentments, harboring those grudges, nurturing them. And the impact on on one's heart is that it, it corrodes it. It actually Mm -hmm. makes it very small, very hard, very um, cold, very distant. And the impact of that is to, um, is to really um, uh, eviscerate a person's capacity to love, right? If you've got even one person that you're hating, it makes it hard for your heart to love others deeply and fully, right? So, so we want to really, we want to really see that. Yeah. What you were saying that, that this, that this forgiveness, this mercy is, is part of how we can become like God's. Right. You know, um, how we can take on the divine nature, how we can partake of the divine nature. Right. And one of the one of the hallmarks of our of our God, of our loving God is his mercy. Right. And we can't pretend that we're going to be like him if we are harboring that resentment and that anger. Now, again, what you were talking about, we can't just shut it off necessarily with, um, you know, with an act of the will, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to try real hard and I'm going to forgive from the depths of my heart. You know, here I go. Right. It doesn't work like that. The, um, 
the, but we can actually take the steps that we need to take so that eventually we can release it. Right. And yeah. I think that's what, that's what we need to be focusing on. And there's a process to that. Uh, and if you seek, you'll find, but actually um, there's a number of ways that we as mental health professionals help people through that. And that other people can use too, to be able to like, to let that resentment go. Mm-hmm. You know? And one thing that some people get confused about is that they'll say, well, how can I forgive that person? They haven't asked for forgiveness. Right. And the way I would ex- look at that is to say forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Right. In other right. words, you can make, you can choose to forgive someone and that is about you letting go of something. Right. And even if they're unwilling and because obviously we one hopes that in forgiving someone, especially if you, you go to the trouble of actually telling them, I forgive you, if the context <laughs> is appropriate for that, then uh, and there's a good chance that person will, will, might appreciate it and you know, apologize. Who knows? There might be reconciliation that comes about, but there might not. A person may not even be alive or a person may be unavailable or a person may be recalcitrant and they don't want to change. Right. So think about it in terms of the forgiveness as in some ways like a gift, right? If I were to give a gift, if I'm going to bring a gift to my aunt Irene, right? Mm-hmm. The giving of the gift and the leaving of the gift on her on her doorstep is not the same thing as her receiving the gift, right? Mm-hmm. So the giving of the gift and the receiving of the gift, the giving of the forgiveness and the receiving of the forgiveness are two separate things. Right. Uh, and they don't always have to go together. Um, but what the giving of the forgiveness does is it liberates your own heart. Exactly. Right? It leaves you not to be a prisoner of yes. your own resentment, of your own sense of injustice yeah and that's what we're talking about that's how you know our lord from the cross can say father forgive them right for they don't know what they're doing it wasn't like the pharisees and the scribes and the you know and the and the um and the and the and the people that wanted him dead were just mm-hmm. like taking in that forgiveness and repenting in the moment they weren't but that was recorded and it was offered for all time right so some of these people may have repented the next day some of them may have repented 30 years later, right? So, you know, and accepted the forgiveness then, right? right. So, um, so and we don't know, and we don't always know when somebody will accept that forgiveness. If you offer it, if you give that forgiveness to somebody else and they don't accept it in the moment, it doesn't seem like you get a good reaction. That doesn't mean that they won't accept it later on. It doesn't mean that they won't come to those, to, to an understanding of what the wrongdoing was later on. Right. And it really is important to highlight that forgiving someone does not condone or justify their bad behavior, whatever it might've been, whatever the harm was. Certainly I know in working with abuse survivors, nothing kind of condones that there's no justification for abusing another person and forgiving, forgiving an abuser. And it does not mean you are somehow condoning that behavior. Right. Right. No, no I've run across that with a number of clients who have parts of them that that really struggle with that belief, right? If I if I if I if I forgive, then it's like saying this never happened, and I yeah. can't bear that. And and so we work to really, you know, say that 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 actually is a misperception. We can yeah. we can hold both, right? right? We can hold the and forgiveness, it, and we can hold the recognition of what really happened, right? 
And it doesn't mean that there isn't also a space for justice or consequences right. for certain kinds of actions right. that, that are natural, that, that, that are necessary. And forgiveness can still also occur at the same time. So I know that's hard <laughs> right? Uh, for some, but it, it's, and that really brings home the point that forgiveness is an act, a heart, an act of the heart, an emotional, ultimately, I mean, yes, there's a decisional, but then at a deeper level, is this emotional heart letting go. I know we don't have a lot of time left, Dr. Jerry, but I really wanted to ask you this. So is it worth forgiving somebody, you know, and to make the decision to forgive, right? If all you've got is the will and you yeah. don't have the heart behind it yet, is it worth it to forgive them from the will and, and then see if the heart can come along? Or do you think you should wait? I think that it, no, I think that if you're able to, if you have the desire to decisionally forgive, like in some way, even if your heart isn't completely there, I think that what I would say is that you are making an intention to basically forswear revenge. And you're saying, um, I'm going to treat this person as a valued person. If for no other reason that they're a human being created in God's image for no other reason. And, um, you know, I can, I can decide to forgive even if emotionally I'm not ready there. And that's, so that's you could okay. forgive somebody intellectually, you know, at the, at the level of the intellect and the will, even if you still have feelings of hatred. That's correct. If yeah. there's emotional things that, and you know, and recognizing those are things I'm going to need to work out. I'm going to need right. to process. I'm going to need to talk to get some help, support, whatever at prayer, whatever I need may still happen, but I'm making the decision that I'm not going to simply live in a state of wanting revenge where it's eating me up alive. Right. Which right. is not healthy. Right. 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 No, that's great. I, that's very much along the lines of what I think of too, because I right. sometimes have, you know, that comes up, that comes up. So. Yeah. I really do think that when the fathers, the early fathers, especially the desert fathers who are sometimes really hard to read, some of those hermits and those guys that are pretty harsh and they talk <laughs> about the passions as being all bad. Right. Right. And they anger is one of them. And I do think sometimes they're a bit misunderstood. And I think we need to kind of, you know, figure out, terminology and semantics and how they might be different in 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 different languages and different cultures in terms of how we understand the passions right. and emotions but right. they talk a lot about anger being a very bad passion right and um even though we understand there is an appropriate anyway i understand there to be an appropriate right. anger over injustice right. right like jesus angry in the temple but right. um but, but in fact, they do make a point. Anger in terms of resentment right. keeps you up alive inside. Right. And we do so it depends on how much, how much the will is engaged, right? Which is why that harboring of the anger is the mm -hmm. problem. It's not the anger necessarily because that is a first moral act that just comes up spontaneously. It doesn't have a, a moral weight to it. Mm -hmm. But the harboring of the anger, the nurturing of it, the grudge holding, then all the will is involved with that, right? Mm -hmm. And, and that's when it starts to corrupt the heart, um, mm -hmm. you know? And so, so we want to, we want that's what we want to guard against. And yeah. it is beautiful when, when, when people can, can forgive, uh, forgive things that they've, they've, um, that they've held, um, 
as uh, as uh, their injustice gaps, as you were putting it, you know, mm-hmm. for for decades. Yeah, it's really liberating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So I was thinking of the action idea for right. this week, and this is a tough one. I don't know that for this for this purpose to pick something humongous. You know, like like I gave the example of me working on forgiving my father, which took decades. Um, and I feel like that's too big of a one for this project. How about picking something small? I know that, for example, uh, as I'm married, right? And, you know, there are little things that my wife does that um, are part of her temperament, you know, part of her personality that can get on my nerves. And I could be like, why doesn't she do that? Like, why can't she be more tidy? Or why can't she be more organized in this way? Or why didn't she notice this? Right. And if it's something that's recurring, that is actually, when I think about it, it's probably not something she's easily going to change. Right. Like there might be ways in which she can improve perhaps, and we can talk it through, but I would, she'd be a different person if she was suddenly, you know, um, a super neat freak, let's just say. So uh, what, so what I'm going to say is pick something like that, you know, pick something um, that maybe your partner or like, or your spouse, I should say, or your, um, maybe it's a child even because your children have their own temperaments and there are things you can say a hundred times and they're going to struggle with, especially you think about an ADD child, you know, and you ask them to do four things. And after the first one, they've forgotten and then they run around and haven't done it, right? Stuff like that. Like those things that we can get angry and resentful and frustrated about easily. So what would it take to recall something like that? Okay, whether it's a hurt or whether it's a frustration um, and to empathize and to choose instead to try to empathize with that person and to recognize, you know, maybe that's a struggle. Like maybe... Uh, for my child with ADD, that's a real struggle that they, they're, they're going to have for the rest of their life, possibly, to have a difficult time with organizing and remembering tasks or remembering things, whatever, but whatever it might be. But to try to empathize a little bit with whatever the thing is that person is doing and why they did it and give them the, um, and making a choice out of love for them to forgive and to say, you know, um, I'm going to do my best in this moment to let go of my anger and resentment toward them over this struggle they have. Right. And commit to emotionally forgiving at the beginning, right. It's a decisional forgiveness and try to commit to emotionally forgiving, which is going a little bit deeper um, with that, with them and hold on to that, like, try to retain that forgiveness and just see what it's like to do that. See what happens inside when you, when you choose and you practice in little ways to forgive those things. How does that sound? That sounds good. So we're going to start with the, uh, the decisional forgiveness. Yes. Let's, let, that's, that's, that's the word to start, I would say, uh, yeah. to add a little bit. And then see what you can do about the emotional forgiveness, because right. there's a whole bunch of meaning making that happens, especially in these little things that go on between husbands and wives, that is really our stuff too. Mm-hmm. It's not actually, <laughs> you know, right. our spouse's stuff. It's right. really our stuff, and but we but we attribute it to our spouse. So in the process of forgiveness, you can actually unpack a lot of that. Yeah, you know what? This is actually mine. It's not yours. I made a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. and 
So that whole that whole kind of empathizing and really trying to get into this, unpacking it, can be really, really enlightening. But the emotional forgiveness is possible here too, because even that act of empathy, mm-hmm. trying to emp- is 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 a movement in in the emotional forgiveness right, direction, right. and because it can lead you to go to other emotions that are more positive, right. like gratitude or even humility, right. and to be able to say, you know what, yeah, my wife does this, and it kind of drives me crazy, and I don't see her ever changing. But I'm so grateful for her. She has all these other good things she brings to me. Or the same with my child. You know, yeah, he's never going to remember the third thing I ask him to do. But what a beautiful child. What a full of joy child. Or whatever it is that you, you see as beautiful in this other person. And yeah. to be able to, to, to conquer anger and resentment and instead bring compassion, kindness, love, and gratitude in its place. So... Great. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody out there. We, we thank you for and appreciate your comments. And, and uh, we hope that you'll, uh, you'll add some more comments and tell us what you think. You know, what's hard about forgiving? What's anything you found particularly uh, insightful that we shared to, with you today? Or, hey, if there's anything that you struggled with that we shared, we'd love to even hear that. It's okay. These are not cut and dry, easy right. uh, topics. Right. <laughs> There's a right. lot of complexity right. to them. Uh, and, and we obviously aren't getting at everything about them. Uh, but we hope you will continue to join us with Be With The Word. Uh, also, Hear The Word, if you want to hear the readings that we were discussing. Um, but also, please check out Dr. Peter's uh, podcast that he's been putting out several times a week called The Coronavirus Crisis, Carpe Diem. It's uh, powerful and moving. We're really focusing on resiliency in the face of all the things that are going on with the, uh, with the, with the virus, uh, you know, not only the, the health aspects, but all the economic dislocation, all the stresses that come with that, and how do we respond to those. And so um, we're also building a community around that. So I'm going to encourage you to go to our website. Uh, listen to the podcast. And then if you want to sign up, we've got um, like Wednesday emails that go out to people that are on our list uh, that give you some sneak peeks and some, some extra information, some behind the scenes stuff. So that's really valuable. So as well. So, and then Jerry, you've got your course too for couples. So um, yeah, let's hear a little bit about that. Right. So there's a course that's available uh, on the site. It does I have a cost associated with it, but it's designed for couples. It's 25 modules and there's uh, action items for both the husband and the wife and the couple together. And it is about restoring the marriage after the discovery of pornography. So if you have an issue with pornography and you're married, this is a powerful, unique course. Uh, It's also, you can do individually as well. And if you're unmarried, but you want to be, and you struggle with pornography, uh, you'll learn a lot from this course as well. Yeah. So we hope you'll uh, join us there or refer to somebody that you know that would benefit from it. That would benefit course. from it. Yeah. And if, and if there's financial issues, just talk to us. We'll make it happen. We work with people when there's financial issues. So mm-hmm. for the cost of any of our products. So, All right. We hope you're doing well. As you can see, some of, not you, Peter, because I think you have a, a very good strategy, but I haven't had haircut in quite a lot of time. <laughs> I, I am, you know, I'm going to just get hairier and hairier until we can, <laughs> we can uh, go to a haircutters because I don't think anybody's touching this. <laughs> I don't think I trust my wife to cut my hair. I don't think she's cut people's hair, so I don't know what to do other than maybe I can take a razor to the sides is about it. But then I think it looks funny to be, 
you know, very short inside and then have this yeah. really long. So <laughs> I'm imagine a lot of you uh, can empathize with me. <laughs> uh, but uh, so anyhow, so I hope also that you're staying safe and uh, through this uh, uh, stay at home situation well and with the deaths that are happening i mean it is a time again to go back to that forgiveness right i mean now more than ever um as you as as people that you know may be facing and uh, maybe people that have harmed you may be facing death you know that that's this is the time right this is the now that we have so yeah so i think it actually puts a point on everything that we've been talking about in this episode so absolutely thank you all right guys well until next time Still. Believe.